0: on the family. And, and today we want to talk about parenting. Uh, the title of the message is Raising Kids Without Raising Blood Pressure, and, uh, <clears throat> which I don't know if that's actually possible. I think it is. I hope it is. I want to believe it is. And sometimes it actually is and sometimes not so much. Um, and uh, the reality is this. I'll just you know clear everybody's minds, whether you've a uh, brand new parent or never parented, uh, or, brand new parent, or whether you've been a parent and a grandparent forever and ever, there are no perfect parents. Aren't you glad for that? Whew. Now, kids, uh, students, uh, let me just remind you, in case you need this, there are no perfect parents. And so, uh, grace and mercy is the order of the day. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm pleading for anyway. and uh, you know, but there was, there was one perfect parent and and that is your heavenly Father. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 says this says "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's the only one. The rest of us are just trying to do the best we can to follow uh, Christ's example. And so we're going to talk about that today. What, what does what does God's love look like to us? How does God, be our father, how does he interact with us, and that ought to inform how we interact with our children or our grandchildren, and so we're going to talk about those things. Now, the reality is this, I understand that there are many in this room who either uh, don't have children, uh, or whose children may be long gone out of the home, uh, or maybe they think they're a long way from ever being a parent, But, but what I share with you today, I really want you to understand, this is relational kinds of stuff. When, if you function these ways in your relationships, whether it's a parent to a child or or grandparent to a child or, or just a friend to a friend or a boss-employee relationship kind of thing, if you'll function in these kinds of ways, you will be much more successful and have much lower blood pressure than you might otherwise think. So I just want to talk to you about some of those things. So when I'm talking about these things, if you don't have kids or grandkids, just think Who am I in a friendship with that this might impact? Or how am I, if you're a boss or employee, if you have people work underneath you, you're a department head or something like that, just think about how do I function with those around me and and just kind of apply that in that direction. But so I want to talk about five things that, that I think God, our Father, models for us. And the first one is just this, is that we've got to understand our kids. We've got to understand our kids. Um, Psalm 103, verse 13-14 says, A father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And the kind of the real clave of this whole thing is, is for he knows how we are formed. God understands how we are formed. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what, what shapes us and molds us, the things we like, and we don't like, the, the things that set us off, the things that push us over the edge, the things that really get us excited and build us up. God knows that about us, and and we need to take the time to learn that about our kids, right? Don't you wish your parents understood you better? Not one of you. Thank you, because I only made eye contact with you, but (laughs) yes. (laughs) You know, there's something to that. I mean, that's one of the big things that we hear all the time is kids that say, my parents don't understand me. They don't get me. They don't don't know where I'm coming from. And and as a parent, I'll say, yeah, you're right. I don't. (laughs) I know, but... (laughs) But you know but but we need to make the effort to do that because it just doesn't happen naturally. It's just not oh like, oh yeah, I get all my kids. Well, if you think you get your kids, you probably don't get your kids. But you you really have to be intentional about that process of saying, "I need to understand what makes my children tick. I need to understand what makes my friends who they are and and how they function." And so, we have to take the time to do that because if we go crossways on that, we're forever going to be knocking heads with their personalities and our personalities and all the rest of that stuff. And, and so we have to be kind of conscious about that stuff. If you were, if you were working on wood or something like that, i talk talked to a woodworker sometimes, and they, they say, well, you gotta, you got to sand with the direction of the grain. If you sand cross grain, it ruins the piece of wood. you got to sand with the direction of the wood. And the same thing is when we talk about our children, our grandchildren, our friendships, you got to say, well, how does that person think, and what, what, are they, what drives them, and kind of help mold in that kind of direction. Um, this is a very difficult sermon for me to preach because my children are sitting here, and, um, and uh, so uh, I'm going to talk about this later, but, you know, the kids see and know everything. So uh, we'll, you can talk to them later about uh, how well I put this together, but remember my first point. There are no perfect parents. <laughs> Remember that there are no perfect parents. So, Um, you know, and I'm going to tell stories on. I'm going to take you guys out to lunch afterwards. So, you know, so I'm covered a little bit. I'm going to tell stories on you today. But um, I got to tell a story about Jonathan. Uh, When Jonathan was was kind of elementary, mid-elementary school age, uh, it was the season of a band. You know, and music instruments gets kind of talked about. And I was so excited about this. You know, fourth grade, fifth grade. I don't remember remember what it was, but I was so excited about band starting because I'm a band geek and I confess it, wear it proudly. Uh, I, I love band and love music and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was so excited for Jonathan getting ready to kind of go through this and they were explaining all the instruments and everything and I was, I was telling Jonathan, oh, Jonathan, wouldn't you just love to play a trumpet? Trumpets are so cool. I mean, they have all the lead parts and everything. You'd just love to play a trumpet. And I was all pumped up and ready for this and Jonathan says to me, I don't want to play trumpet. I want to play the drums, and I was like, "Oh man, not the drums." I'm sorry. I, I'm going to bash drummers in a minute, so I, I already apologized to Cole. So all you drummers out there, beware. I'm coming to you. So now I want to play the drums. So they say, "Well, what about a trombone?" You know, trombone, boop, 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 boop. You know, so, "No, I don't want to play a trombone. I want to play the drums." And I was like, "Oh man, not the drums." How, how you know, I was down the tuba even. I'm that tuba was my instrument. How about a tuba? I played a tuba. Want, no, I don't want to play a tuba. I want to play the drums. You know, I went through every instrument you could possibly do, and he kept, kept saying, no, I don't want to do any of those. I want to play the drums. And, and I was a little slow, but I, I began I began to remember that when, we were, when he was very small, I mean, probably, you know, three, four-ish, um, we would play in the car. He, well, he loved, first of all, he just loved to bang on things. Boom, 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 boom. He was always banging on stuff. And when we would travel in the car, we were missionaries and we drove a lot in the car and, um, and to entertain all the kids where we're going. I used to play this game with him and I would beat out rhythms on on the steering wheel and he could repeat them. I mean, just like, just like that. Never missed a lick on anything. I mean, it's about as complicated as I want to get. He could repeat them instantly. And, and so I began to remember that and I'm thinking, okay, and I don't really want you to be a drummer because I know how drummers are. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Drummers were always the guys in the back of the band who were always cutting up. They never could read, sorry, they couldn't read music. They'd, I mean, they, just, they were just back there having fun. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they were talking and doing their thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be one of those guys. And But yeah, I want to be a drummer. So I said, okay, that's your natural thing, I'm going to, you'd be a drummer. So about a year later, uh, he was wanting to drum so much, but he didn't, he didn't like the, just a little sneer drum. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't just enough at school. He said, I want to play the whole trap set. I want the whole thing. So we found him a little trap set, you know, it was, you know, it was a full-size drum set, but, you know, wasn't all the big fancy thing that we got here, but, you know, had, you know, had the little top hat and had some snare, or some cymbals, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, big bass drum, and, so we got him going with that, and I, I gave him my lesson. I was a music major in college uh, first. I didn't change to a minor, but so I, you know, had just enough, uh, just enough experience to get him through a couple songs. So I'm going to play guitar. You know, I play guitar, so I play guitar and say, Jonathan, you just, you just kind of beat out the drum, and then we get, get into between the transitions. You just go, ba pa ba pa ba-bomp, boom. And, and, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and uh, so we, he, And he did so well with that. I mean, like within a day or so, we were having an outdoor service at church, and, and so I said, you know, Jonathan, you want to play for this outdoor service we're having? Okay, yeah, good. I'm ready to go. I mean, he's just ready to go. So good. We got it all together, put him out there. And he played, he played drums for this outdoor worship service that we had at church. And people were so excited about it. They came back and they said, he was amazing. Can he come and play drums for us in church? And I was like, well, if you insist. Because they, that was my church didn't have drums. They were like, ah, slippery slope. They weren't going there. You know, and so, so they were like, oh, yeah, man, we got to have him. I said, well, if you want him and you insist. And so Jonathan started playing drums from the time he was about in fifth grade. He just played drums forever. And, you know, you could hardly see him back there, but he was just doing his thing. And it was, it was just his natural kind of shape, his natural molding. And, and, and as much as I wanted to be a trumpet player, he was never going to be a trumpet player because God had made him to be a drummer. And, and, and that's what he did, and, and he's been drumming ever since, and now he plays guitar, and yeah, that's a whole other story. We'll get there, but he's a great worship leader. That, oh, by the way, this is my unabashed fatherly plug for the 13th um, of July. Uh, you really want to come. It's going to be a great evening of singing and praising and sharing together, and uh, it's just going to be a great time. Uh, in case you don't know this, Jonathan leads worship at the six o'clock service and uh, feels a call from God to be a worship leader. and. And so you want to, I invite you to come and be there. I'll be there. Hope you'll be there too. So it'll be a great thing. But, you know, we got to find, we got to find how our kids are wired and how they function and connect with them in those kinds of ways. And, and if we don't, we're forever going to kind of run crossways with our kids. And, and let me just tell you a little secret. You, you know how one of the ways that you can, you can be sure that you understand your kids or you don't understand your kids, it, it comes from Proverbs. Good things these guys were so wise. Proverbs 14, 29 says, a man of understanding has patience. If you're running out of patience with your children or your relationships, it's probably because you don't quite understand kind of how they're thinking, the way they're wired, and where they're headed. Now, for all of you parents whose kids are going off to college, just going to give you the heads up. Everything you thought you knew about your kids, you're going to have to relearn. (laughs) Be prepared, it's one of those things of understanding. It, it is part of that process, and students who you guys are going off to college, be patient with your parents. They're a little slower on the uptake of all the things that you're gonna experience, but it'll, it'll work. So if you, if you have patience, it's kind of that indicator thing, of maybe I'm getting it, I'm getting it. So the first thing is, is we gotta understand our children, understand the people around you. The second thing is this, you've gotta accept your children. You gotta accept your children. And the reason why we have to accept our children is simply because God accepts us, right? How many of us deserve to be accepted by God? Don't raise your hand. Sorry. I should have said that first. There's always somebody who says, oh, yeah. (laughs) No. No, none of us deserves to be accepted by God. There's nothing of any merit or intrinsic nothing from us. It's just that God loves us. That's who he is. It's his character. It's the quality of who he is. And, and we kind of do the same, have to do the same thing with our children. We just say, we accept you. We love you. And, and, and the problem is that we have a tendency when our kids kind of mess up, we, we sometimes don't act like we still accept them. And so what they learned from that is that my acceptance is based on my performance. My acceptance is based on how well I do, or, or how well I accomplished, what you think I had accomplished, or whatever those things. And, and we, we send these really mixed messages to our children, and, and they live odd kinds of emotional lives because of that. But the Bible says in Romans fifteen seven, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. And we have to be conscious about that process of making sure that our kids have a sense to say, you know what, you're important to us. You're accepted in this place. God has shaped you and molded you, and I accept you, right? So we have to understand them. We've got to accept them. Now here's the balance side of understanding acceptance. We also have to learn to discipline our children as well. We have to learn to discipline because it's not just that we say, well, that's who God made you to be. Go do whatever you want to do. No, that's not what we're called to do. That's not how we do it. Whatever you feel like, just do. No, that's not that. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And the sign of God's love for us is that he disciplines us. And the same is true for us that because we love our children, we also discipline our children. And if we don't discipline our children, it says two things about us. One, it says that we don't really love our children. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves that you don't love him." If we let our kids get away with absolutely everything, if we have no structure, no direction, no help, we're, we're not helping them. We think maybe, oh, we're just loving them, but it really we're saying we don't love you because we don't care. Second thing it says to us is that it shows that I'm participating in their destruction. Proverbs 19, 18 in the Good News Version says, Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. Our discipline that we offer to our children helps them. We, we cannot neglect that. Now, I can't tell you how to do that. I mean, I could. But I'd be telling you something that you, know, you could read in 10,000 different other books, and you'd probably get 10,000 different ideas about how to do that, Right? I see a few of you nodding at me. I can't tell you how to discipline, but I can tell you something about kind of the response of discipline and, and the difference between discipline and punishment, because those are huge, big differences that we as parents need to be aware of. And the same thing when we talk about our relationships with people, because sometimes We can do this with our friends and our employees and our workers and that kind of thing, and we can get into weird kind of places. You gotta know the difference between discipline and punishment, however and whatever it is that you do. Let me just talk about a few of those things. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. I wanna correct you, train you, and help you to be better. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. To inflict penalty. You did something wrong, boom. That's it. Yeah, okay. There must have been a few of us that have had that one. <laughs> I had that one. <laughs> I gave that one. <laughs> Second one is this. The focus of discipline is on the future. I, I want to help you do better in life the better in the future. The focus of punishment is on the past. Again, one more time, you did something, this is the result. The motivation of discipline is love. I want to see you make it in life. The motivation, the attitude behind punishment is anger. I'm angry because you've done this, and boom, it's coming down. But that's not how God acts with us, is it? God doesn't act like that with us. We've got to be aware of those kinds of things. Now, the result of discipline is security. The result of discipline is security. Our children feel secure. Those around us feel secure because they know the parameters. They know boundaries. They know know the stuff and structure of life, and there's a security that comes in with that. The result of punishment is fear. Is fear, it's guilt, and more anger, probably on both sides. Now, the question is, how do I know the difference between discipline and punishment? How do I know when I'm in one or the other of what I'm doing? And the question is, just ask the person, the child, or whoever you're interacting with, what is their response to what it is that I'm doing? What's their response? If, if they appear more afraid, <laughs> more angry, more guilty, if they, they, if they appear worse in those kinds of ways, it's been punishment. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. If when you get done with your discipline, there's more fear in the house, then what you've done is not discipline. It's probably punishment. And we need to be thoughtful about that. Now, I can tell by how quiet it is in this room <laughs> that uh, we all deal with those things. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. We all have done this. I can my kids here. They will tell you, Daddy, let me have one. <laughs> probably when he was mad, and I say that. There are no perfect parents. And we'll talk about this at the end, but we have to have that sense to say, I I begin to better understand what it is that I'm doing, and I'm intentional about that process to try to be one who disciplines and not punishes. Your family will be healthier for it. Yes? You few heads are nodding. Okay, I'm going to move on. Fourth one is this. I must express love to my children. Now, that may seem like the silliest thing to say, but, but there are two blanks that I really wish I had put two blanks in your outline. And because we get the idea about we need to love our kids, but, but the other word right in front of love is we have to express love to our children. Because sometimes we feel love, you know, and we do that in our marital relations sometimes or our friendships or whatever it is. Well, they know I love them, right? But there is something about the intentionality of expressing love to your children that's really important. It's Not enough that you just feel love, have a sense of love, but there is that portion of you that says, I've got to express express love so they actually understand my love for them. And I want to talk to you about three ways that that happens real quick. First one is through affection. Uh, There there is, you know, there is uh, legitimately so, (laughs) a great caution about physical touch and contact with your children. And I want to say be wise, but I tell you what, if we don't touch and hug our kids, they're they're in deep trouble they need our touches. People need to be touched. They need to be hugged. They need to be loved on. They need to have that physical kind of contact that, um, that they're just not going to be healthy without it. And, and that's part of who we are and what we are. I remember as a, as a young psychology student in, in college, um, one of the most interesting things that kind of caught my eye was, was a research study that was done with with uh, young chimpanzee, baby chimpanzees, and they were raised in three different environments. Uh, one of them was raised in an environment that had uh, a real chimpanzee mom that was there and nurtured and did all that stuff. The next one got a terry cloth, uh mom that was just kind of a machine that kind of looked like a monkey, but was just terry cloth. The other one got the same thing, but it was just a wire. It was just a wire-looking mom. And, and they, they analyzed... How these baby chimpanzees grew up. And, and it was hands down, no comparison. Um, the one that got real mom and got touched and handled and loved on, uh, those chimpanzees grew up to be healthy and strong and well. The one who had the terry cloth was, uh, was a little problems but not too bad. Uh, the one that had a wire mom and essentially no physical contact, um, those those baby chimpanzees just had struggled, struggled through life. And and, and I, I just, there's something to that that speaks of our need for physical touch. And many of you know that. You know that fact. You're just better off when you're getting touched. And I, I was laughing in the first service, and I had uh, one guy, and I, I looked at him and he said, you know, you look like somebody who needs to get a hug. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yes, you do. And he, no, 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 I don't. And then I thought, well, but maybe that's the way he's shaped. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's the way he's, I uh, don't want to go cross grained with him. But, but I, I think everybody needs a measure of touch. Now, some need it more than others, but everybody needs physical touch at some point. So um, is that true? Okay, just touch somebody near you right now. Give them a hug. Go by him. Give them a hug. Pat their hand. Squeeze them something. Okay, this is your big opportunity, guys. Your pastor just said, "Give each other a hug." Public display of affection. Okay, sorry, never mind. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, I'm in big trouble. We need that. Can I? Can I just? Can I just share with you one other thing, though? That's real important. That's why the church is so critical. Can I? Can I just say that to you? That's why the church is so critical. Because. Uh, we don't all grow up in homes that just gave us all the hugs and loves we'd ever want, right? And, and, and sometimes we're, it's just tough. Sometimes um, we have singles or we have widows or widowers that, that really don't, they go home to empty houses, go home to empty beds, and, and they, they need somebody to touch them, to hug them, shake their hand, squeeze their hand. That's why the church is important. That's why uh, why we don't, we we're very try to be very intentional about it. you, just don't walk in here and walk out of here. Because that's part of who we are as a church. We are that place that says, I care about you. I want to shake your hand, I want to put my arm around you and say, How are you doing? and and do those kinds of things. And and we need to do that with one another. And, and if you have somebody around you that you know kind of has some struggles with those kinds of things, um, you've just got to be intentional about, about that process because that's, that's what the church offers. Yes? That, that's, that's what the church offers. So, so we express love by, by our you know, kind of those affectionate kind of kinds of things that we do. We also express our love through affirmation, through affirmation. Um, Psalm 145, 14 says, the Lord upholds and uplifts those who are down. We, we do that by, by affirming when we speak to our kids. See, sometimes I've, I've talked to parents and they say, you know, I don't want my kid to get a big head. I, I don't want to always be talking on him and bragging on him and a big head. Can I just share with you, don't worry about that. The world will knock that out of them in a hurry. You know, I, it's, it's our job as parents, as friends, as grandparents, this is, see the good news about being a grandparent is, you get to try it again. You know, yeah, you may not have made it as a as a parent. Uh, you may have made a lot of mistakes, and that's the reality. It's just about the time you learn how to be a parent. They leave. They go off to college, <laughs> and then you got to figure it out all out again. And the grandparents you get to start over and say it's all fresh and new. And I have all this fun and I give them back. <laughs> it's even better. So you know, but but it's part of that process of affirming affirming the children and the people around us that when we speak well, we we speak into their lives. We build them up, we encourage them, we let them know uh, how much we appreciate them. My, my wife and I, we have this funny thing that we do. We got married fairly quickly, not, not as fast as some, I suppose, but uh, we kind of started going out like in uh, January, February of, of one year. Uh, she graduated in May and went back to Mexico, and I, I went to visit her in June in Mexico, and she came back to the States in July to visit me. I went back in August and asked her to marry, marry me, uh, we met together at Thanksgiving time to plan a wedding. We got married in December. So, and, and there was not a lot of contact in between all those months. And so we, we got married fairly quickly, didn't really know each other. But one of the fun things that we kind of do with each other over the years, we would just kind of laugh with one another and we would say, you know what? If I had it to do all over again, I'd marry you even quicker. I'd choose you. Of, of, all, of all the people I could choose, I'd choose you. And I'd do it faster. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait nine, ten months. i just, we'd just do it. Can I just, can I just say to you that, that the people in your life need to know that? I, it's something we kind of just stumbled on in a funny kind of way. But your kids need to know. Your grandchildren need to know. Your friends need to know. You know what? Of all the people in the world that I could choose to be my kid, I'd choose you all over again. I'd choose you. There's something to that. There, there's something to this, this sense of, of your kids knowing that, that you're on their side. I, I say something to my kids, and they can give me affirmation or not to this, sometimes to the point of they look at me like crazy because my mother did it to me. And my mother was one of those moms who just said, man, David, you're great. You're going to be wonderful. You're going to make it. Uh, You're going to do good. And sometimes I'd look at her and say, really? You have any clue? It's me. You know, we know this. But she just didn't give up on it. And And I feel like I tried to say that to my kids to say, you know, God has a good big plan for you. I don't know how it's going to work or where it's going to go or what it's going to be like. But I believe in God's good work in your life and he's doing a good thing in you. And, you know, don't quit on that. Don't give up on that. Just keep on going. And, and I got to tell you, the people around you, your kids need to know those kinds of things. They need to be affirmed in that stuff. Your friends need to be affirmed in those things. It'll change their lives. It'll change your life. Well, the third thing is that we, we show and demonstrate our love uh, by giving attention. It's through attention. It, it, it's, it's that kind of thing to say, um, You're important enough for me to spend time with you. A study was done by Cornell University, and they they put microphones on kids and then tracked them around for a month or so, and they have just kind of tracked how much time and interaction they had with their dad over those periods. And they averaged out 37.7 seconds of personal interaction uh, with their kids every day, 37.7 seconds. And and we talk sometimes about, well, I don't have a lot of time to give my kids, but I give them really quality time when I have it. And I just say to you, um, I think every kid that I've ever heard of, if they had to ask the question, would you rather have 37 seconds of quality time or would you rather have three hours of time with your dad, they'd all pick three hours. it's, it's, It's not a matter of quality time. It really is time spent with each other. And that's not to say, well, I do everything around my kids because that's the other extreme and that's not healthy either. But but there's a sense that we're in this together. We're in this stuff together. And that's one of those ways that we say to people, you matter to me is when we spend time with them. Okay, fifth thing is this. This is the challenge. Fifth thing is this. I must be consistent with my children. And now, as soon as I read that and wrote that down, they you say, know I think this is not the consistency that says, "I'm consistent. I hate everybody." You know that's not the kind of consistency we're talking about here. <laughs> it is a consistency that says, you know, by God's grace and mercy, I'm trying to be the same person every day when my kids see me. Um, nothing will kind of mess your kids up more than if they don't know who, which daddy is showing up today, which mommy is showing up today. Is the really wacko bizarre one showing up or is the really happy-go-lucky one showing up? And um, can I get an amen from the front row? No. <laughs> no. yeah, it, it, It's one of those things. So by, by God's grace and mercy, we do all that we can to be consistent in who and what we are. Uh, Psalm 145, 17 says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. Uh, let's say he's just, he's fair, he's, he's those kinds of things. And, and that's who God is with us. And, and we're not God, but by the best that we can possibly do, we want to be consistent examples in front of our children and in front of the people around us. Uh, because it's just like we talked about for the members to say you're walking, talking billboards. Well, moms and dads and, and whoever you are, there is no turning off life. You are 24-7 in front of your kids. They know the reality it's It's not that you you know can come into church and be one kind of person and then you get home and get out in the car and <laughs> go back to the house and you are somebody else completely different. I tell you what um, you don't want to go down that trail you don't want to be that person because it l- leads us in really difficult ways with our children, but by God's help, we can be something different and I want to just tell you the the great the great part of trying to get beyond that. It's, it's not that you have to be consistently perfect because none of us are perfect. But one of the great clues is just to be honest about who you are. And Proverbs 27 says, the Living Bible says, it is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. And uh, that's honest in how he functions. But, but a couple ways that, that I think are important for us is that just in, as you go through life, you don't have to imply perfection. You're not going to be perfect you're not going to say the right thing or do the right thing or or respond in the right way all the time as parents and sometimes we we have this horrible big thing we put on ourselves we've got to be this person um, and and we kind of live there and we we get into weird places and your children certainly know the difference right yes yes let me just give you the real The help part of this. Last week I said to you, you know, the the part that really helps you a long way in your relationships is if you can say a little phrase that goes like this. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about myself. That was last week. Just talking about relationships. The little phrase for this week is very similar. It says, I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. I'm sorry, I didn't respond appropriately. I'm sorry, I would like to do that differently. Please forgive me. It's amazing what I'm sorry will do for you and your relationships if you really mean it. It's just that sense to say, you know what, I haven't been the perfect dad, I haven't been the perfect mom, I haven't been the perfect spouse, I haven't been, and just being able to just say that and honestly mean it. Uh, it takes you a long way towards healing in those kinds of things. And it might even take you a long way as a kid who had a difficult upbringing to just say, you know what? Mom and dad weren't perfect. I get it. I get it. Didn't like it. Don't like it. Don't want to be like it. But I get it. Move on. Second thing about this. The idea of honesty is, is do everything you can to keep your promises. We understand from Scripture that, that, that the Lord is faithful to all of his promises. We ought to try to be. You won't be. And then when you're not, revert to step number one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said I'd do something, and I didn't. Uh, you know that's that's kind of kind of what it is. The bitterness often comes from broken promises to one another. Could I just suggest you something? What does maybe mean? I heard it several times. Maybe means no. Just don't have enough chutzpah to say no. Well, maybe we'll do that. There's no way. If I say maybe to you, it probably means no. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to think about it, I'll say, well, let's, let's think about it. Let's talk some more. <laughs> and so, and, and, but you know what the funny thing is? Kids don't know that, though, right? Your grandkids don't know that. Your kids don't know that. Maybe to them, seems like a really good yes. It's coming. Maybe. And then when it doesn't come, it's like, which you promised. I didn't promise, I just said maybe. Well, but you said yeah. Try to be consistent in those areas. You know, these are these are weird sermons to preach. Because um, because I'm a dad, I'm a parent. And uh, and I face this stuff, and you face this stuff. And about eighty or ninety percent of the time, we just assume not face this stuff. <laughs> um, but it but it is just kind of the reality of life. This is real life stuff that we we have to deal with as Christian followers of Christ. I mean, we, we just have to say my parenting, my relationships um, say something about who I am and what I am. And, and so we do that. But I would just want to close with saying this to you. God is on your side. I just, I, I, every time I'm preaching in this series, I keep saying that. God is on your side. God wants to develop healthy families more than you do. That's, that's his desire. In fact, uh, there, are, there are scripture promises in Malachi, Malachi 4.6 says, he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers. There, there is something, there's something about in God's heart that he's trying to develop those kinds of healthy relationships with families. Do we always succeed in that process? No, we don't. Do we always do the right thing? By no means. Start one more time where you're at. Try to implement this stuff where you can. And, and say, God, I need your help. I need your help to be a better mom. I need your help to be a better dad, a better grandparent, better friend, better boss. Just start where you're at. Don't be afraid to say, I messed it up, I blew it. Forgive me. Let's try to be better. God wants to help you in that process. Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are? Lord, there are a lot of little situations that I could think back and I'd say, you know, I think I'd like to have done that a little differently. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be a great dad. Help me to be a great-grandfather. I pray that you bless my kids, my grandbabies. And Lord, that prayer, I pray for every person in this room, whether they're a mom or dad or a kid or single, widowed. Lord, just help us. Help us to really live this stuff out. It's relationship stuff. Help us to so live that you are seen in all that we do and say. Not because we're so good, but because you're so good. So when we mess up, Lord, help us to acknowledge it. Help us to seek forgiveness and restoration and to move forward. For Lord, you love families. You love marriages. You love moms and dads. You love kids. Lord, let the church be that place where we get to practice, where we get to be healed, where we get to be loved on, cared for. Lord, help us as we walk out from this place and we go into the world, to our homes, workplaces, our friendships. Let our relationships speak of your good work in us. For, or this is a reality we know. We have a great father, a great father in heaven who loves us, and we celebrate that, and we live in that, and we plead for your help as our great father. Lord, be honored in all that we are and all that we do and say, we pray in Jesus' name.